give provision, give strengthening. Lord God, let us be in one mind and one accord. If, if not with one another, God, let us be in one mind and one accord with you and with what you want to do in this house, God. Set the captive free. Bring deliverance to those that are bound and give sight to the blind. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. You may be, you may be seated. Hallelujah. Brother Glenn, could you turn the lights on for me? Thank you, sir. So I want to do some uh, advertisement before we um, get started. Uh, my wife is having a conference here for the ladies uh, this evening, for those of you that have signed up for that and uh, got a, a spot for that, and I'm sure that uh, there's going to be a, a great time had by all. I know people are looking for community right now. We're uh, we've been out for so long and, and absent from one another's lives. It's just uh, it's good sometimes just to get together. Uh, those of you that aren't ladies or aren't going to the conference, we're going to have another work day today, uh, starting at two o'clock, I think, uh, out of the the new building. We got a lot done. Thank you so much for those that came out last week and helped out. We appreciate it so much. We got a lot done in one day uh, because of that. It, it, it's, it's amazing how many hands make light work, uh, and, and mine and Israel's hands make little work. So uh, it's, it was amazing how much work we got accomplished in one day, and, and, and we're closing in. So, so time is, is drawing nigh. So uh, if you could come out and give us a hand today, it would be greatly appreciated. We do have a paintbrush with your name on it. If it don't have your name on it, I'll write it on there uh, with a permanent marker. I'll even let you take it home as long as you promise to bring it back and use it again. So, we'll <laughs> uh, And also, um, I guess there's been a, a statement made by our governor uh, specifically targeting churches again. So if you're wondering why we're still doing the social distancing, if you wonder why we're still doing the bringing you in and taking you out, it's because, uh, at least in West Virginia, the governor is blaming 11 churches for part of the outbreaks that's going on in West Virginia. So they're, they're still looking at churches. They're still looking to, to make a, an example of us as if you can't catch COVID somewhere else. Uh, but, but regardless, we're going to do what we can do. We sanitize in between uh, uh, services. We keep our distance. We... Uh, we're, we're trying to do what we can, and then we trust God for the outcome. Uh, but mainly we do what we uh, are asked to do, and, and then uh, that way they don't have a reason to come in here and try to, try to bother us. I'm going to begin a new series this morning that I plan to preach until we uh, are no longer here. Uh, the series is called Ready to Move. And, and it, goes, it goes with the theme of what we're going through as a church, that we are moving from one location to another. But as I began to study this and, and try to flesh it out, I realized it's, it's got a much deeper spiritual implication for your life. Now, I'm going to be doing something that I normally don't do, which is we looked a lot at the book of Exodus in our last series as we were looking at the names of God and we were looking at the Red Sea experience and things of that nature. I'm going to revisit that. Totally new concepts, more teaching, more preaching than we looked at and expounded upon in the last series. But we're going to begin once more in this series and pretty much throughout this series dealing with Israel coming out of Egypt. And they were ready to move. At least in theory, they were ready to move. But because they had not prepared themselves 
spiritually and emotionally. They physically moved, but a lot of them stayed back in Egypt. And part of us, uh, as we're trying to get through life and try to go through this spiritual journey, especially with all the darkness that surrounds us right now, the social implications, the COVID situations, people are lonely, suicide rates are through the roof. Therapists, don't, they're booked up until midway through 2021 because people are in a dark, lonely, aggravated place. And a lot of us don't realize that we can physically move but emotionally stand still. And that's what we're going to deal with, ready to move. We're going to talk a lot about a word that is overused in our uh, churches today. And I say it's overused not because we don't need them, but because we don't understand what they mean. The word that I'm going to use a lot in this series is the word miracle. And I say that the word miracle is overused because we use the word miracle to describe things that are not miracles. Uh, There is a hockey game that was played. Uh, I'm a big sports fan, or I used to be a big sports fan. I don't follow too much anymore, but there there was a huge hockey game in the Olympics played in 1980. It's called the Miracle on Ice because uh, the United States beat the Russians and they weren't supposed to be able to even get on the ice with them and they ended up beating them. And all these years later, there's a, um, there's a movie after it. It's called uh, uh, The Miracle on Ice. And really, uh, a miracle is a suspension of natural law which has been overseeded by a spiritual law. There was no spiritual law taking place on Lake Placid that day. And yet we call it a miracle. Uh, early in the 1920s, Harvard had a football team that had never lost a game in five years. They went down and played this little team in Kentucky, eastern Kentucky, and lost six to nothing after not losing a game uh, for five years. And, and they, they lost that football game, and still to this day there is a museum in Kentucky that talks about the miracle game where they beat Harvard. I, I, I talk to people all the time that talk about miracles. For instance, you circle the block 14 times looking for a parking space in front of where you're going to because God forbid you have to walk a block. And after circling the block 14 times, there's a spot right where you want to be and you pull in and you say, thank you Jesus for this miracle. And no, that wasn't a miracle. That was you burning up a half a tank of gas to get the right spot. Sometimes though, and we're going to look at this in this series, you need a miracle. You need God to show up and save you when you absolutely cannot see any other way to win. And then when God does, you never forget it. And pay attention to this, neither do the other folks who saw it happen. When things change at a moment and nothing is ever the same again, that's when you know that you've been in the presence of a true miracle. And we're going to kick off a series of messages that followed the children of Israel through their wilderness wanderings. They were coming out of Egyptian slavery and they cross over the river Jordan and enter their new home, which is the promised land. And I came up with a, uh, well, God helped me come up with uh, uh, something to describe these wanderings. And we're going to look at two different kinds of miracles. You ready for this? The first miracles, the ones that you're used to, are what I'm going to call the show miracles. That's when God shows up and gives us the kind of supernatural deliverances that leaves everybody standing in awe of Him. So we have show miracles. And that's what you are always asking for when you ask God for a miracle. 
But I'm going to spend a lot of this series talking about miracles that I call go miracles. Go miracles are the ones that God uses to transform people, to transform nations, to transform cultures as they go along with Him. These are the miracles that you usually don't notice until after they've already happened. A show miracle, everybody sees it. It's a showstopper. But go miracles are the ones you look back on and say, surely that was God. At Promise of Victory, we're asking God for both of those kind of miracles right now. I'm seeing Him make provisions for this new building. He's providing ways for us to have finances. Supernaturally, He showed up and gave us four properties to sell so that we could have the finances to do what it is that we want to do. He's brought us help from unlikely places. We've had, one day I'll I'll testify about where all the help has, has came from and it's not exactly what I intended when we started this journey. Those are show miracles. But we're also asking God for the show miracles So we can have go miracles take place. In other words, we want to broaden our influence in this valley. We want to bring healing to more people and reach more lives. We want to help bring hope to people who are stuck in addiction. People who have been abused, the marginalized, the hurting, and the hopeless. These are the go miracles. This is what happens after God shows up and then we go and do what He called us to do. And I go out that, to that building every day. I've worked at that building every day since May the 6th. And I have looked back over the last few days and I see things happen that I did not experience in the moment, but I see that they already took place behind me. Those are go miracles. Those are miracles of the moment because God is a God of the moment. Yes, He is supernatural. He is in the past and He is in your future, but He is also with you right now. Lo, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. He's not an absentee landlord. He hasn't abandoned you for a season because he's busy somewhere else. You better know that there's a miracle happening right now while you sit in the sanctuary. And it may not be showy, and it may not be dramatic, and it may not make everybody look and stare, but there is a miracle happening in your life right now while you sit here. Now, now the reason that we went on to talk about these two things is because uh, we are often like Israel in a tight spot. God had sent ten plagues on the nation of Egypt and delivered Israel from their bondage. They escaped under the darkness of night. They ran out. They headed east. They took a bunch of jewelry with them. The Bible says they plundered the Egyptians. And then they came up against an insurmountable obstacle. Two million Israelites out in the desert with the Red Sea in front of them and the Egyptian army breathing down their neck. They needed a show miracle. But let's read the rest of the story. It's Exodus chapter 14, starting with verse 1. To Moses. Now pay attention to this. Order the Israelites to turn back. And camp by Pihatharoth between Migdal and the camp and the sea. Camp there along the shore across from Baal Zephon. Then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. And once again I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. Pay attention to this phrase. This is why I use this, uh, this translation. 
I have planned this. You're about to get chased down by the enemy and God said, I have planned this. You're about to get in a tight spot and God said, I have planned this. That you're not where you want to be, but God said, I have planned this. You're about to be scared out of your ever-loving mind. And God said, I have planned this. You are too old to be losing your job now and have to try to find another. You are too far along for your family to be messed up the way it's messed up. And God said, I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know who the boss is. After this, the enemy will know that I was with you and I have his number. So the Israelites camped there. Pay attention to that little phrase. I'm going to come back to it in a minute. So the Israelites camped there. Where is there? By the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army chasing. Oh, you're going to set up camp there? That makes sense. It makes sense for you to pitch a tent and go to sleep with Pharaoh chasing you down and nowhere for you to escape. That makes sense, right? But they camped there. Why? As they were told. Hold on to that. I'm coming back to it at the end of this message. When the enemy has you trapped, that's when you expect God to show himself. That's when you expect show miracles to happen. He said, I have planned this in order to display my glory. Now, I've lived enough days to be able to look back and see the times when I experienced God uh, it, it, the most was not times when things were easy in my life. And I think that's because as we are going along through life and everything is going well, we assume that we are doing it. Uh, then when stuff starts falling apart, we start crying out to God for a show miracle. As if He wasn't involved in our life last Tuesday. Like, like, he, like he wasn't involved in the situation up to where we are right now. We, we have come along this far and, and now we're in a tight spot and we need God to show up as if he wasn't with us already. And that's why God sometimes lets us, he said, I have, I have done this on purpose because I want everybody to check themselves. I want everybody to recognize that I have always been there. And that's why you should always expect him to show up when it feels like the enemy is winning in your life. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to do things the way you want him to. I have prayed for people, and God showed himself in a miraculous way and healed them and raised them up out of their sick bed. I've also prayed for sick people, and they died and went home to glory. And there they experienced their ultimate healing. And I'm going to tell you, it took me some years and some tears to come to grips with the disparity between those two instances. Because I prayed just as hard for the one who passed as I did for the one who received. And I had to realize to learn the difference between uh, what I call a miracle and what God considers one. God's instructions don't always make sense. Go anyway. Did you hear what they said? Israelites camped because he told them to. They camped there. Where did they camp? In the middle of a mess? in the middle of dysfunction, in the middle of where they did not want to be, and it didn't make no sense to be there, they camped there. So sometimes God's instructions won't make sense to you, but you better go anyway if you want to see a miracle. It didn't make no sense for them to walk around Jericho and then yell at the walls. 
It didn't make no sense for Naaman to go down and dip seven times in a muddy river to get rid of leprosy. That's not full of penicillin. That's not full of an IV infusion. He went down and did because that's what God told him to do. And sometimes what God tells you to do in order to receive your miracle won't make no sense to you. Sometimes God asks us to do stuff that don't make no sense at all. But have you ever told a kid to do something? What you're telling them to do often don't make no sense to them. As a matter of fact, when you tell a kid to do something, they like to come back with their favorite three-letter word. You know what that word is? Why? And then, which leads to our favorite answer. Because I said so. Thank you. Uh-huh. So when you come up to God, your Father, your Abba, and you say, why would God want me to tithe when I'm in such a financial bind myself? Because I said so. Why would God want me to treat them well knowing how they treated me? Because I said so. Why would God want me to give up the one day a week that I've got off from work to come to His house? Because I said so. So you got to understand, sometimes what God tells you to do don't make any sense to you. But it don't have to make sense to my kid why I tell them not to touch a hot stove. It don't have to make sense to my kid to tell them that you can't go out here and stay out all night. It only has to make sense to me because I know information that they are not privy to. And when it don't make any sense to you, it don't mean it don't make sense to him. So if I'm looking for a miracle, if I'm wanting him to show, i got to be willing to go. God says, I'm, I'm planning something. I'm planning to show up and do what only I can do. But you won't see it until you get where I told you to go. You keep reading that, that chapter. I don't have time to go through all the scriptures. You can check me later. Exodus 14, through the 5th through the 12th verse, talks about how uh, uh, Pharaoh changed his mind. How did I let my free help go? And he starts pursuing them. The Bible says he got his 600 best chariot drivers. And then all the rest of his army. And he started chasing down Israel. And the Bible says when they, when they heard the chariots coming, the church turned on the pastor. And they started fussing at Moses saying, Why did you bring us out here in this wilderness? Here's what they say, and it's so, it is so indicative of people today. Here's what they say in verse 12. They said, why did you bring us out here to die? Were there not enough slave, uh, graves in Egypt? Didn't we tell you to leave us alone? When we were slaves in Egypt, we asked you to leave us there. We wanted to be because it would be better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Isn't it funny that if you don't start looking ahead, if you don't start looking in the future, if you don't have a positive outlook, if you don't think something good is about to happen, your present struggles will make looking back look good. It will make you think that going back is the best solution if you don't look forward. Your present mess will make going back look good to you if you don't have a vision of something greater. Without a vision, folks perish. So, 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 so you will definitely, along this journey, get distracted and detoured and delayed. And second best will start looking good to you if the very best looks out of reach to you. Too many people quit just because the dream hasn't become reality in the time frame that they think it should. They stop just short 
a victory. Just short of a miracle. Because they didn't go, they don't see the show. Because they stopped short. Because they did not go where God told them to go and do what God told them to do. They never see Him show His miracle. Keep reading in Exodus chapter 14, 13 through 20 and you'll come to some verses that I'm going to to point out some things to you at the end of this message. God says a very famous quote, Stand still, fear not, and see the salvation of the Lord. Because the Pharaoh that you see today, you will see him no more forever. But then, but then he says something. He says, but before I'm going to be able to do this for you, this show miracle, you got to tell them folks to get moving. I'm not going to show until you go. I'm not going to be able to do what you ask me and need me and beg me to do until I see. He said in verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, why are you still praying? Get moving. Get ready to move. Why are you still asking me to do something when I have plainly told you this is not for the place where you're supposed to stay. Get ready to move. He said, my greatest glory is going to be displayed here in a few moments, but not until you move. In other words, church, you gotta, you got to be willing to watch God work, but you got to be willing to work while you watch. Moses said, don't be afraid. <laughs> don't be afraid. I know you hear the chariots coming, but don't be afraid. I know the deadline is approaching, but don't be afraid. I know the court date is set, but don't, don't be afraid. I know they're saying that the plant's going to close, but don't. Don't be, I know I, I heard what the doctor said, but don't, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you. The Lord himself will show his miracle power. You have to stay calm. And he says, why are you still crying out to me? Why are you still praying? Tell the people to get moving. In other words, we can lose our fear and our trust that God is about to do something because we get caught up in the moment and we lose track of our faith. In other words, they needed a show miracle, but God wouldn't show until they were willing to go. Keep reading. Verses 21 through 31, the Bible says that God opened a path for them. The water of the Red Sea stood up, and the ground dried up, and they crossed on dry ground. The Bible says that the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and his charioteers, they chased them down. But just before dawn, the Bible says in verse 24, Just before dawn, say this, say, it was still dark. Hold on to that, I'm coming back to it. It was still, just before dawn. You know what happens just before dawn? It's still dark out. So while it was still dark, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and the cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. The Bible says that he loosened the wheels on their chariot. The Bible says he discombobulated them and they couldn't see where they were going. And they said, let's get out of here because God is fighting for Israel. Do you remember what God promised them? He said, I'm going to show, it. I'm going to show Egypt who's boss. Well, he's now showing them, but he didn't show until they went. Until they made it through the other side, until they were willing to do what seemed to be impossible, that's when God showed up. 
And the Bible says that when all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord called back to Moses. He said, raise your hand up over the Red Sea again. And when that happened, the Red Sea crashed in on Pharaoh and killed Pharaoh and all of his army. And then the waters returned and, and the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground, but the Egyptians died there that day. And verse 31 is where I preached all morning to get to. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and his servant Moses. They put their faith in the Lord and his servant Moses. See, what he's already done for you is all you need to believe for what he's going to do for you. You've got to be able to grab what he already done and believe that if he did it once, he'll do it again. You got to believe that even when you didn't know it, he was already working stuff out for you. And when you look back over your shoulder, you say, I didn't know that when I was going, I was going through a miracle. I didn't see, I'm waiting on this big show miracle. I'm waiting on an oncologist report that tells me the cancer's gone. I'm waiting for the bank to just cancel my note. I'm waiting for the for the p- position to open up and I'm the only one that they move up into the spot and I get this big gigantic raise. I, I'm waiting for a big show miracle, but how many of you know now that? when you look back over your life you have went through some stuff that was a miracle in the moment but you didn't know it until you went through it I mean you didn't know that you could go through the Red Sea you didn't possibly believe that the Red Sea would open up and the ground would dry up but bless God you look back over and not only did you cross over but your enemy was drowned behind you and you didn't know it until you went and that's when God showed up and so many of us are constantly waiting for God to do the miraculous when He's showing us, I'll do a miracle right now. Get ready to move. Get ready to move. As long as you stand still, as long as you live in fear, as long as you are crippled by a lack of faith, you'll see me do nothing. But I'm going to do some miracles for you as you go that you won't even recognize until it's over. Now, if you back up from verses 13 through 15, I told you I was coming back to this. It tells us five checkpoints for a miracle in your life. There's five checkpoints that will help you receive a miracle today. You ready for this? Moses said to the people, fear not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he'll show you today. For the Egyptians that you see today, you'll see them no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you will hold your peace. (laughs) Hey, 2020 Christian, you will hold your peace. You about ready to do some of that? No, you're ready for everybody else to do it. You shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, Wherefore Christ thou unto me, speak to the children of Israel, that they get ready to move. They go forward. So there's five checkpoints for a miracle in your life. Five places that the enemy handcuffs you, cripples you, and causes you not to move. You ready for this? The first place is your emotional state. He said, fear not. Don't be afraid. This thing is not designed, this life is not designed for you to live it entirely in your emotions. You wasn't an emotional creature who got infused with a spirit. You are a spirit creature that got infused with emotions. And when you get confused and put emotions ahead of spirit, you live in fear. You wasn't born into a life of fear. 
For the Lord hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. He wants you to live with a sound mind. So he says, don't let your emotions hold you back from your miracle. And then he says, don't let your physical problems either. He said, stand still. Stop looking here and there for answers that don't exist. Stop looking for love that don't exist. Stop looking for affirmation that you are never going to achieve. We keep looking for people to validate us, to pick us up, make us feel important. And God says, I want you to stop all that nonsense. You're running around holding hands with different, uh, last week it was Billy and this week it's Tommy and, and, and you love Susan but you got Betty on the side. He said, I want you to stop all that foolishness because if I love you, that ought to be enough. And if I can flow through you, I'll show you a miracle. But you're looking for stuff that I don't need you to get. And so I'm trying to keep you away from it. Let your physical desires be wound up in what you desire from me. The third way that you get tied up and keep away from your miracle is your visual. What are you looking at? He says, see the salvation. See what the Lord can do. In other words, quit looking for the worst stuff to happen. Quit being such a negative Nelly. Stop looking at what the enemy is doing. Some days I just scroll through Facebook and all anybody's ever doing is testifying for the devil. They're just telling about how they're getting beat up and how the Lord is, how the enemy is fighting them and it's all about spiritual warfare. And, and the problem with that is we should not be ignorant of the, of the enemy's devices. And I'm not telling you to be. But sometimes what we do is we get our focus in the wrong place. And, and, and what the enemy will do, he'll get you to stop moving because you're looking at the wrong stuff. Stop looking at what the enemy is doing. The Bible very plainly tells you where your eyes ought to be. Look unto the hills from whence cometh my help. Now I want you to pay attention to what that scripture says. For I will look unto the... I will look unto... That's not a department store. I will look unto the hills from whence cometh my... Do you know what a hill is? A hill is a higher elevation than where you are. Hill is always up. In other words, God is trying to instruct you, get your eyes up. Because if your eyes are down, you're looking in the valley, you're looking into hell, you're looking into despair, you're looking into a valley. And he says, get your eyes up so you can see where your help comes from. So you get crippled by what you see. And then he says, hold your The fourth area that you get messed up and miss your miracle is through your verbal bondages. Some folk talk too much. Listen, the devil cannot read your mind. The devil can't read your mind, so that means you got to fill him in on what's going on. Some of us wonder why the enemy attacks us so much. It's because you gossip to him all the time. He knows everything going on in your head because everything in your head comes out your mouth. And then he reads what you post on Facebook. And he uses it against you. I think sometimes the devil just stands over in a corner and watches two people verbally assault each other and says, I would have to get invested in this. But they're doing pretty good without me. They've been married 27 years and here they are about to claw each other's eyes out. I don't even need to mess with them. Because we say whatever's in our heart. But God said, God said, when you get ready to cross, when you get ready to go into your miracle, zip it. 
keep some stuff private. Keep some stuff to yourself. Only talk to me about it. And I, I could get into a whole thing right there about why you're supposed to learn how to pray in a spiritual language because that's a tongue that the enemy can't decipher. And he don't, so you be talking to God and the enemy don't even know what you're saying. But that's, that's another sermon for another time. Hold your peace. Hold your peace. I know it's tough. I get it. You want to stand up for yourself. You want to stand up for, for what's right. You want to, but you're going to miss your miracle because you got to stop long enough to inform your enemy where you plan on hiding. The enemy knows how to hurt you because you've told him where the pain is. Hold your peace. And last but not least is volition. Volition simply means I make a decision. I make a decision. So the fifth place where you get bound up and miss your miracle is when you decide not to move forward. Your choice determines your destination. You're either going to follow God or you're going to panic and die beside the Red Sea. It don't make no sense to crawl. It, how in the world? How that going to help me? Pharaoh's army coming down. I got wilderness sand under my sandals. I got the mountains of Oreb on my left side. I got Mount Carmel and all that mountain range on my right side and a Red Sea in front of me. And this is God's instruction. Have the preacher go out there and hold a stick. How's that going to help anybody? We got two million Israelites back here. And God, and God wants more. Don't make no sense at all. He ought to call in an airstrike, uh, F-16s, just blow the whole mess up. But instead, his answer, and that don't make any sense. But then again, it really didn't make no sense either how he turned all the lights off back in Egypt just a few days ago. But we had light in Israel's camp. It, it also didn't make no sense how the death angel came through Egypt and killed all their firstborn, but all of us that had blood over our doors, the death It also didn't make no sense that when they had frogs jumping in their ovens and out of their bathtubs over in Egypt, that the little camp of Israel didn't have... All them plagues was falling on them, and it didn't fall on us. That didn't make, you know what else didn't make no sense? How at the, the time that God said to go, we packed up all of our stuff, and not only did we take our stuff, but we also went over to the Egyptians, and they started handing us earrings and bracelets and necklaces and, and their wedding bands, and said, here, you're going to need this stuff to pay for some stuff out there. And we plundered. That didn't make no sense. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe that's what God was doing. I didn't didn't notice it was a miracle when it took place but when I look back see 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 it don't make no sense for me to do what he's asking me to do right now but when I look back I realize he did it before and bless God he'll do he'll do it again but I have to keep going forward in a, in a few weeks we're going to worship for the last time in this room this building's been really good to us. This week makes 19 years I came here to be a pastor. I've seen a lot of stuff in here. Most of it good. Salvations, countless people got saved. Deliverances. There's people sitting in this room, got healed in this room. There's been fellowship had. 
lifelong friendships have been forged. And what we do is we have a tendency to lament where we've been at the expense of where we're headed. But God is a God of movement. We've got to be ready to move in order to see the next miracle, not camp in the old one. So as we decide to move, there's go miracles happening in front of us while we're praying for a show miracle. But you've got to be willing to move. Many of you have never heard this story, so I'll tell it. Some of you have. Some of the old timers have heard me tell it. I was pastoring my first church. And I was coming back from a breakfast with some pastors one morning. And I was passing by a trailer park where my wife's mother, my mother-in-law, lived. I didn't really have an, a relationship with this woman because my wife didn't have much of a relationship with this woman. And I, I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me to go down to her house. I said, get behind me, Satan. And I kept driving. And I got up to the state park. It's called Pinnacle Rock up on top of 52. And the Holy Spirit said, go to Kathy's. And I said, there ain't no way I'm supposed to be at Kathy's. Because I knew she wasn't there. She was at home. I was heading home. I'm going home to my wife. I'm going home to do ministry. I got important stuff to do today. That ain't it. I don't even know what to say to that woman. I've spoke like ten words to her in my life. Go to Kathy's. Fine. Whipped it around. I went down into that trailer court. I pulled up. Car's there. It's early in the morning. I've just come back from Cracker Barrel. It's like 8, 9 o'clock in the morning. I pull up in this, this little uh, uh, trailer park. And I'm sitting in the car in my truck. And I'm arguing with the Lord. Fine, I'm here. What do you want me to do? I came all the way back down here. I got stuff to do, places to be. What do you want me to do? And nothing. Radio silence. Thank you, Lord. I sat there, and I sat there waiting on the Holy Spirit, I guess, to move or some angel to show up or something. I get mad, start the truck, put it in reverse. I'm getting to back back out thinking I'm losing my ever-loving mind. And I heard it again. Go to Kathy's. I'm here. I don't know what you want from me. Fine. I got out, slammed the door. I'm walking around the yard. I know people had to thought I'd lost my mind. If they look out their window, here I am walking through somebody's yard talking to nobody. Fussing at somebody that they can't see. What do you want me to do? I don't even know if the woman's home. I don't know what to say to her. Am I supposed to just knock on the door and say, the Lord sent me? Like, what am I supposed to do here? This makes no sense. Wouldn't leave. It wouldn't lift. I'm going to go all the way through. In for a dime, in for a dollar. I go and knock on the door. Lord, I'm done with this. And I go and get my truck again and try to leave again. Go to Kathy's. This don't make no sense. She ain't answering the door. She ain't, she's in the bed. Now I'm going to wake the woman up. Fantastic plan you got here, Lord. I go knock on the door again. Nothing. I go around the house knocking on the windows. By now, I'm concerned. 
She ain't answering anything. She's not answering anything. It's the day before cell phones, okay? I don't have a cell phone on me. She's not answering anything. She's not a well woman. She has a bad liver. She's got all kinds of health issues. She's anemic all the time, loses blood all the time. She's got a, she's got a lot of health issues. By now, I'm starting to get a little bit concerned. I go around the back of the trailer. Now, the trailer windows is about this high. I'm knocking on them. I notice this one's up about, raised about that much. I said, this is great. I'll yell for it. Slide that window up. I stick my head in. There's a curtain there. There's a couch in front, right directly in front of this window. There's a couch. And I stick my head. Kathy! Nothing. Kathy, are you here? Bang, 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 bang. Nothing. By now, I'm really concerned. So I decide, I'm going to go in there. So I got to hop up on this window. Lift it up while I'm pushing the couch out the way. I realized that the, later that what the neighbors probably saw was me going through the window, both legs hanging out the back while I'm pushing a couch in front of me. I push the couch. It hits the end table. The end table's got a, a bowl of marbles. The marbles hit the floor. I hear them marbles hitting. It sounds like a, a, a repeating machine gun. Da, 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 da. Now I'm in for a dime, I'm in for a dime. I'm all the way in the house now. I'm halfway in, halfway out. I finally crawl in, fall into the floor. I stand up, discombobulate. Never been in this house before. I don't know where she's at. I don't know where I'm at. But I look through the back of the trailer, and I see a bed. And I start walking through, just hanging on the... I don't know that she's even going to recognize me. Like I, I'm banging on... Hey, it's Albert. Hey, Kathy, are you... And I walk into her room, and she's in the bed, completely drenched in sweat, unconscious. And I finally shook her and woke her up, and she was holding, she was holding her side and writhing in pain, and she'd sweated through her mattress. And I immediately called 911, and then I called her, and then I called Mama, and I said, hey, I got the ambulance coming. I don't know what's going on. Her appendix had burst. Hospital said later that had she waited another 30 minutes, she'd have been dead. She was in so much pain and had passed out from the pain that she couldn't reach the phone herself. And I was standing outside arguing with God. And all he wanted me to do, all he wanted me to do was go. And I was arguing with him because going didn't make no sense to me. He had information I didn't have. He knew stuff I didn't know. And when I said to him years before, God, if you'll send me, I'll go, he meant it. And it was time for me to prove I meant it too. So when you get ready to see God do a show miracle, you better be ready to go yourself. Because when God gets ready to send you, you may be in the enemy's camp and facing something that you can't cross. But God will release power that will show a miracle. When you get ready to go, He will get ready to show. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 27, Jesus says, whatever I tell you in the dark, you speak it in the light. 
In other words, even when the lights are out, did, did, you, did you see when, when Israel's, uh, uh, when their miracle happened? While it was before daylight, it was still dark. Jesus said, what I tell you in the dark, you repeat it into the light. That means that when I talk to you, even though it don't make sense, even though I'm telling you to do something that is hard, even though I'm expecting you to do things that you don't want to do, even when you don't see me working, believe what I said. If you can't believe what you see believe what I said if you can't believe the report from the doctor believe what I said if you don't believe nothing coming out of nobody else's mouth believe what I said because his word is what stands between you and the enemy when the lights are out and the darkness has enfolded on you it's his word that will stand between you and the enemy God I don't feel like praying but I got this word I'm holding on to God I don't feel like going to church I've been upset set down at that church but I got this word down inside of me I don't feel like trying again I don't want to love that person anymore but I got this word that's standing between me and the enemy I don't feel like stretching my withered hand but I've got this word that tells me a miracle is about to happen I don't feel like believing anymore but I got this word I don't have faith enough to believe again but I got this word I don't have the strength but I got this word I don't have the energy but I got this word I don't believe nobody and trust nobody but I got this word my body hurts too bad but I got this word I'm holding on to God I can't even see you I'm holding on to this word you gave me because this word tells me this battle can't last forever this word tells me that I am coming out of this this word tells me that this storm will lay down this word tells me this house of mine, it's coming into order. That child is coming back. My circumstances are not going to be the end of me because they're going to change. This word tells me my future is in his hands. My hope will bloom again. My healing may be delayed, but it's not denied. I'm coming out, and when I come out, I won't come out empty because I'm going to See the salvation of my God. I wish I had a witness in this church that knows that even when God is invisible, He's still good. That even when He don't make sense, He's doing something. Even when what He's asking is ridiculous, He's still working a miracle I trust his plans his plans to prosper me his plans to bring wholeness to me his plans to give me strength plans to make me more than an overcomer plans to bring me to an expected and I trust his plan but can he trust mine I'm ready to move I'm ready to move from struggle to victory. I'm ready to move from weakness to strength. Is anybody else willing to move? Are you ready to move? I, 
I, I, I'm ready to move from just enough to more than enough. I, I'm ready to move from 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 struggle from from having to sacrifice uh, to to seeing the, the the vision of my sacrifice come to pass. Is, is anybody ready to move? Are you are, are you ready to move out of fear and into faith? Are you ready to move out of bondage into deliverance? Is is there anybody willing to move and see God move in their marriage where their marriage was on the rocks and God's going to bring victory out of it and make it stronger? Is anybody in this church ready to move? Put your hands together for a God that'll show. A miracle in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. He's got a miracle for you. If he would do it for the disciples, he'll do it for you. If he would, if he would do it for Moses, he'll do it for you. If he'll do it for my mother-in-law, by the way, she would have died that day. She ended up living another seven years. And when I preached her funeral, I told that story. I said God gave her another seven years where she would have died in that back room but because God wouldn't speak to just anybody but he spoke to somebody who had said I'll go if you speak to me. So when God gets ready to do something it may not look like it makes no sense. It might be ridiculous but God is getting ready. If you will move, he will show. If you'll go, he'll show. Give him one more hand clap of praise in this house. He's good to us church. He's worthy. He's worthy. God bless you this morning. I love you. Thank you for being here.